0: Four years ago, I bought an old music and drama school that needed total renovation. And during those four years, and to this day, a choir that I sing in called Natural Voices comes and sings in my front room, which has a stage. And I can categorically state that singing every week keeps me calm and makes me a better leader of my agency. My name is Tamara Littleton. I'm the CEO of The Social Element in London. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger.
1: Let's start with three questions. I like that you chose this one. Not many people pick this one, and I'm using air quotes in this, but who, quote, made you? And how did they make you and why is that?
0: Yeah, I, I really like this question, actually. I mean, it's it's quite a deep philosophical one because right. I'd say I'm the result, obviously, of my my upbringing, my my education, and my family and friends and everyone who's sort of known me and helped me along the way at, at work. But one of the things I would say is that I'm claiming my inbuilt tenacity and passion very much as my own. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd say I was kind of... Driven by work rather than, than education. So I've been, I'm just so passionate about business, but it's it's other people's businesses too. I'm just one of these people who just loves talking to other entrepreneurs and agency leaders about their business challenges. And I think one of the key things is that it's kind of that tenacity as well. Having run an agency, I started my agency, The Social Element, 16 years ago. And I'd say that something that has just really kept us going is that tenacity. It's it's allowed us to sort of reinvent ourselves. And and anyone who runs a business, they're, they're going to know this. It's that there are so many ups and downs. And I think if you can just keep going and remain positive, it's it's a really crucial requirement of, of any leader. So I think that tenacity has made me.
1: Well, it's int- what I find interesting about your company is you, you started it 16 years ago and... I, I'm sure it's unrecognizable from back then to what it is today.
0: Completely. I mean, there, there wasn't really social media as an industry <laughs> as such. <laughs> right, like, right. Um, I've got this, this running joke that I sometimes tell at conferences that my my dad actually thinks I invented social media, and, and I, I genuinely mm. haven't told him that that's not the case. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was kind of forums and and completely different. So, yes.
1: The Tim Berners-Lee of social. That's, I like that. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Yes. If you weren't doing this as a career, what would you be doing and why is that?
0: Uh, I'd be running a karaoke bar.
1: See, I (laughs) I like that one. I like that answer. I had no idea what this answer would be. Okay, please, please explain. (laughs) It's
0: karaoke. It's just it's everything. I think it's funny actually because uh, this week I've actually just come out of a, a three-day strategy meeting with my executive team, and uh, we were sort of doing our strategy for the next year and you know bonding and everything. But part of that was doing karaoke uh, in the evenings. And it's it's something. I mean, I just I just love it. It's it's fun. It's it I, fun. I adore singing. And as I said, you know, the having a choir come to my house every every week and sing uh, on on the stage, for example. But um, a lot of my clients have been saying that they love karaoke too. So I'm thinking maybe this could be a thing. Maybe I could make this into an agency karaoke thing.
1: Uh, you and I can talk offline. I have had similar ideas, so we will discuss. What's your go-to karaoke song? that everyone has a go-to.
0: You say it's torch songs for me, so I do things like uh, Will Young, and actually my my show-off one is Edith Piaf doing uh, "Je Ne Regrette Rien" in French. Wow. Okay. There you go. (laughs) All right, that's good. You can book me later.
1: All right. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, I like that you chose this question as well because we do talk about. things in a positive light and we tend to try to keep things in in very sunny circumstances but I like that you chose this. What is the biggest criticism you ever received and why was it important and what did you learn from that?
0: Yeah it's an interesting one and and I think I'm someone who likes to continually learn but I did uh, receive some criticism from my exec team probably about three years ago uh, that my fear of conflict was really hurting the business because I I just Mm. wasn't being direct enough in my communication and it was you know I must admit it was a little bit hard to hear at the time but I had to completely take it on board and I've changed the way that I communicate I allow for that conflict very much about healthy conflict and uh, you know I, I would say that it's really helped us as a team that they know that I can be more direct with them. So it, that has been really important.
1: Well, that's huge. That's huge. Do you have, do you sometimes check yourself on that? Do, do you go back to that feedback and sometimes you're like, ah, maybe I'm not being as direct as I could be? Yes. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think that's the thing about, uh, if your natural style is that you are slightly uncomfortable with conflict, it's about trying to push myself to say, okay, it's okay. just. Just let them you know, talk about this, it has to come out. And, so, and actually just this week, we, we were going through the sort of the training that we go through around disc profiles and it came up again of them very much saying they've noticed the change over the last three years. So that's gotta be a good thing.
1: We're gonna move on to the must list. Let's start with a must do.
0: Okay, okay. Actually, funny enough, it's connected to the uh, to the conflict and disc training. <laughs> this is something that we, we do disc profiling and it's been absolutely crucial for, uh, it, you know, it started by Patrick Lencioni and his original book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And basically we do disk profiling, a bit like Myers-Briggs, when you know your personality mm-hmm. type. Right. And just profiling the exec team and everyone in the agency has been really important for us and helped us communicate effectively. But I, it kind of goes further than that. I think just investing in training for your team is really important. And we're, we're a little bit weird because we have a majority distributed workforce and it's absolutely brilliant. It's definitely kind of the way forward to have people in different countries and and allowing us to scale and work with uh, clients in, you know, completely around the world. But you do miss out on that, you know, face to face meeting. So we, we invest in lots of face to face training and we all get together.
1: No, that's great. I, and we're in the same boat. So it's mm. important to, important to understand that for sure. Um, where do people go? So I'm just seeing it's discprofile.com. If people are interested in seeing that, correct? Uh, yes, discprofile.com. Do you know what your Myers-Briggs type is? Do you know what I did
0: it when I was about 22, <laughs> and I can't remember it now. We all, we all did. Like I, I think I'm an EF
1: something, something. I yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm I'm an, an SI in in disc, which is kind of conscientious, uh, it very much sort of collaboration, teamwork, and a little bit of uh, rainbows and unicorns mixed in.
1: There you go. You got a Scottish <laughs> reference in with the unicorns. Thank you for that. Uh, what is a must read?
0: This is hard for me actually because I get a bit overexcited. I, I just love reading. So one of them would be Harvard Business Review. It's my treat when I'm flying and I've got to the stage where I think I slightly annoy my team because I tend to come back and go, wow, I just read this amazing thing and now we need to change everything which they've <laughs> they they kind of know how to manage that now. But one of the, because um, I am one of these people who just reads a lot on, on holiday and business books, but there's one that I keep coming back to, and that is um, Blue Ocean Strategy, which was written by W. Chan Kim and Renee Moborn. And it's all about competing, so competition, about how everyone competes in the red oceans that are filled with blood. You know, I think the analogy is that that's what the sharks are and you're competing on price. So what you have to do is be constantly seeking out the blue ocean where there's no one else. So you're reinventing yourself, coming up with new ideas, and you have to constantly do it. But it's something that really resonated with me.
1: That's quite an analogy, though. That is true. The sharks Mm -hmm. all fighting over one piece of... krill i guess <laughs> yeah and so
0: if you can kind of come up with a, a different way of doing things whether that's you know solutions for your clients whether it's the way that you run your business maybe it's just a different attitude but if you're constantly looking for your point of difference you're not going to be competing and, and getting in the red sea
1: absolutely what is a must learn
0: it comes back to what i was saying about just being obsessed with books um, and I think really it's about talking to other people. I mean, there's a couple of things. I can read lots of different business ideas, you know, keep up to date on, on the internet, but I think when I spend time with other entrepreneurs or agency leaders, that's when I'm learning at, at my best. Um, mm. I mentor quite a few female entrepreneurs. And I'm also on the board of a, an LGBT entrepreneurs group in London, which is called Series Q. Um, yeah. And also there's something else called The Supper Club, which is a UK company. I think the drum uh, has connections with The Supper Club, I think. Uh, I've
1: heard of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's awesome because it's, it's entrepreneurs who have started their own companies, and some of them have exited, some of them are in you know, the middle of their journey. But people share their failures and their successes and, you know, sometimes just say, God, this is really, really hard. <laughs> and right. so I think having that access to, to other people is my favorite way of learning.
1: That is true. That is true. Uh, it can be overwhelming, though, at times. But how do you manage that? Because there are so many people with so many great ideas. How do you manage that?
0: I know. It can be, you know... It, if you want to sort of like come, someone comes up with the best approach to business, and then you can always find the exact opposite if you really want to. So, right. I think <laughs> right. after a while, you just have to go with your guts and run the run the business in the way that you want to run it. And I'm a big um, fan of kind of compassionate leadership. So, essentially, mm. running it in the way that you want to run, that you want to be treated. It doesn't have to be dog eat dog, it can be really about how do you get the best out of your your company by treating people with with respect. So, you know, and there maybe there are things written about that, but after years I just sort of thought that's the way I want to run my company. So I'm just going to carry on doing that.
1: What's a question you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? Well I'm still waiting for Ellen DeGeneres to ask me on her show. We so. all are, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are <laughs> You don't, but, want to be um, on the, you don't want to be on the Graham Norton show.
0: Yeah, I, I love Graham Norton, but uh, you know, Ellen, hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, I understand.
0: <laughs> so I think people kind of ask all sorts of questions, but um, I rarely get asked, if ever, what actually drives me. Mm. Um, and I think people can make assumptions because it's not about uh, it's not about money at all. It's not about that's what you know, keeps me up, you know, gets me out of bed in the morning. It really is about, uh, I think it's solutions, it's about trying to help fix things. Um, There are so many things, uh, you know, that, that tenacity as well, but if I go back in time, I think when I started the company, and as you said, it was in a very strange time where actually there wasn't really a social media industry as such, but there was communities, and there were branded communities. Uh, well, there were, there were just online communities, and this is when I was mm-hmm. at the BBC, and I was responsible, I was running the team that ran all of the websites uh, at the BBC, and we worked very closely with the communities team, and it was, it was a really quite a small area, but we were doing amazing things with, say, forums and live chat. And I was convinced that brands would move into communities, and so that's what drove me. I just thought, there is something there, there is a problem that I need to fix. And I just love new things, it was such a pioneering time, and I've realised that maybe part of it is that I do get bored a bit quickly. So. I, I sort of started another company four years ago because you know had a bit of time <laughs> just running sure. one
1: company I'll start another Yeah let's but, just yeah we'll just juggle <laughs> another one in there no problem.
0: <laughs> but this second company I absolutely adore, it's called uh, it's called Pulpeo, uh, pulpeo.com, and it's a crisis simulation tool and we mm. simulate brands being attacked on social media. Really? So brand, brands can be actually trained and they can rehearse how to manage a crisis that's breaking on social. And then we have role-play teams, so they actually act like the public or journalists, so it's it's really realistic. And we put people through these simulations and they can test their process, they can test their, their metal, as it were. It's,
1: it's incredible. Right. Oh my gosh, that's See. fascinating. What, <laughs> wow.
0: So I think... You know, something that drives me, it's not, you know, just running a company. It's about how can I change things? How can I fix things? And how can I make a difference?
1: Right. Wow. Okay. I got to check that. I got to check that out. How long has that <laughs> company been going? How long has that company been going on?
0: Uh, about four years now. And yeah, we okay. sort of work with PR agencies and it's its so much fun. I think um, it also brings out a slightly strange side of me is that when terrible things Uh, happen, you know, certain presidents of the U.S. might be sort of uh, tweeting about companies. Right, sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you you went there. You went there. Okay.
0: (laughs) You know, it's just taking politics out of completely, but it affects the share price. You know, whatever they said, positive, negative, it affects the share price, and it needs to be in a crisis plan now. Um, Mm -hmm. And so rehearsing a crisis breaking is, is just really important.
1: We refer to that as when the Trump hits the fan, so (laughs) just for future reference, for future reference. Thank you. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they would like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours.
0: So I'll talk about something that I actually feel really strongly about, and it's about being authentic And it's a bit difficult because there's it's like I feel you're 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 probably kind of thinking, oh God, right now, because authenticity has become such a buzzword that I think it's almost lost its meaning. But to me, it's about being your true self at work. And that's with your employees and your, your peers, but also with your your clients too. So for me, there is no work tomorrow and home tomorrow, it's just it's just the same, it's just tomorrow. And for me, I've been very lucky in my career, because I've always worked in media and communication, so I've been able to, to sort of bring my true self to work, as it were. And going back to the, to the BBC, uh, which was a really crucial job for me, actually, um, that very first interview with the BBC, it was just hilarious, because I'd broken my wrist and my left elbow, so I had my, my whole arm in a cast, and I said, and it was a really important interview for me, and I said, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to be able to wear a suit and, uh, because, of, because of my arm. And they said, that's not a problem, just wear what you want. But um, for some inexplicable reason, I, I went in jeans and a furry leopard skin shirt. But they, I don't know why, but they really appreciated my individuality and, and they gave me the job. And that kind of had a massive effect on on my career, but it's it's not just about you know being a, a bit different or whatever. There are so many people who hide their own identity, and in particular LGBTQ people as well. And I I spoke on a panel for EuroOut in London uh, a couple of years ago now. Uh, it's an amazing conference. It, it promotes diversity at London Business School, but it also inspires the students to be their authentic self when they reach the workplace because. Uh, A lot of lesbians and gay men go back in the closets after college, uh, for example, and they're not out at work. And that stifles people's creativity. And I I genuinely think that when people show their true selves at work, it leads to vulnerability, trust and a, a much deeper connection. So that's my little soapbox for you.
1: We wrap every show up with one last piece of advice or wisdom or two. You can, you can have one or two. There's there's no limit. <laughs> there's no limit to this. What would be your final word? Okay, so I do have a bit of a motto
0: in life, and it's what's the worst that could happen? And it's what I said to myself when I started my agency, and I've used that phrase to inspire other people to take a risk and start up their own companies too because, let's face it, life really is very short, and sometimes you just have to go for it.
1: I love it. Short and sweet and impactful. (laughs) I really enjoyed our conversation very much. You know, I I like the spirit of me being in Portland, you being in London, but I do hope that our paths cross sooner than later. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us on the show today.
0: That would be great, Doug. Thank you so much.